Hello, everybody. My name is Steven. My name is George. And welcome to the Ugly Betty's podcast, where we talk about an episode of Ugly Betty. Today, we're talk, talking about season one, episode 16, Derailed. And we have a guest today, don't we, George? Yes, I would like to introduce my friend. You might have seen him on HBO's Getting On or Hulu's Dollface. Please welcome my friend, the fabulous Verton Banks. Hello. You Thank you for here? having me. Thank yeah. you. I'm good. I'm good. How's your quarantine going? Good. Um, I'm prepared for the long haul, so. <laughs> Hopefully the long haul is shorter. <laughs> yes. We're going to find out this fateful Tuesday. Uh, let's, not, let's not talk about that <laughs> just yet. Maybe we could get political at the end, but right now I'm at peace in life. I understand the feeling. <laughs> yes, I don't want to worry about what's going to happen on Tuesday. I'm already bunkered in. I'm going to pray over my house and then like lock the doors and then like grab a pitchfork if I need it. So I'm all ready. <laughs> I dare someone to try to test me on Tuesday. I dare someone. But anyways, so Burton, what do you think yeah. of the episode? Oh, I really like this episode. I watched the series originally, like in its like every week I watched it. Yeah, like and what's this, what's your history watching the show? Um, yeah, I, I I watched it. I because I really wanted to be on it, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like really bad. Like it filmed down the street. The first three seasons filmed down the street from where I live, and um, I always wanted to like work on it, just be able to to walk to work. And <laughs> that, that was just very fascinating to me. But I also, I love the world. And I watched the original Spanish language version as well. Um, and so I was a big fan of it. And then so I knew when it was coming out, I was like, oh, this is a show I really want to be on. And then it just kind of like brought me in and I really enjoyed the world. America Ferreira is like great, Michael. Yuri's like great and Vanessa Williams just amazing I just wanted to be a part of this world like did yeah. you ever get an audition for the show or did you ever try to angle to get in <laughs> I tried so hard I <laughs> I never got an audition for this show <laughs> which, which is uh, just sad but, and I wish the show was long lasted more seasons and I hope to I would think that I would have been at least gotten one chance to be on it, but um, unfortunately it was cut short. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I completely love the show. Like the storylines are great. And this particular episode is the introduction of Lucy Liu. And I love Lucy Liu. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she she's just is the one of my favorites it always like instantly pops to me mm -hmm. and uh i feel like their storylines are always challenging um in ways and i definitely give that to sylvia horta for his uh his his tremendous work and and dealing with subject matter that a lot of shows weren't dealing with at that and a lot time. of that stuff happens, yes, at that time. And that stuff happens, like, in this particular episode, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it, it, it was a, a very pretty, you know, heavy episode. And this is the, one of the great things about Ugly Betty is they know how to fuse different storylines in one episode. So you're not like, 
overwhelmed, even though I feel like this was more of a Betty Light episode than most of the Ugly Betty episodes, because because they were like cutting from Betty's drama to Christina's drama, then um, Alexis and Daniel's and Claire's. They just made it like you know that it wasn't like you know they're like they weren't rushing everything. They told the story in a good amount of time. And then they also had like Justin's story yeah, with his yeah. father. Dude, like that, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was hit me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that would hit. I read related to that a lot. Especially I mean on- what a what a beautiful arc Santos had in this episode. Yes. He finally comes around to accepting his son for who he is. And I just thought, God, what a beautiful arc he has in this episode. This was like Santos's turning point as a character. Yes. And then his whole arc throughout the whole show was really good. And this, but like you said, this is like the turning point, the turning point to where he's going. He's like, you know what? This is my son. I still love him and accept him for who he is. And if he wants to be this way, who am I to stop it? And yeah. And it's Kevin Alejandro, and he does a great job too. He really so does. Good. This at the is this at the same time that he was doing True Blood, and he was like the boyfriend. To I think this was right before True Blood. I think True Blood started in '08. I think. Okay. okay. So I think this was right before he got True Blood. Yeah, this is um 2007. Yeah. 2006, 2007 was the first season. Yep. I loved Lucy Liu in this episode. Yeah, and like you said, Lucy Liu is amazing. I feel like she should have got an Oscar nomination for um, Kill Bill Volume 1. But oh, yes, yes. At the point, <laughs> that's, that's like my own personal... I love that. Um, I love that she. I love that she remembers the year specifically when she's getting her revenge because it was 1995. 1995. Yes, it was New Year's 1995. And I, I like how they Bettyfied Lucy Liu. It's like, oh yeah, Lucy Liu's pretty, pretty. Like when you when you first watch that episode, they're like, I kind of look like that's Lucy. Wait, what? Uh, well, I yeah. love um, I love how they, I love how they um, they did make a younger Lucy Liu's character look like Betty, and I love yeah. that moment when Daniel is describing how she used to look, and he's realizing he's talking to Betty and just stepping into it right there. And he said, like, yeah. it works for some people. <laughs> it's like he tries to save himself. <laughs> Because he looks at Betty and realizes, oh, crap, I'm stepping right into this one. (sighs) And then um, I love, uh, if we're talking about how fabulous Lucy Liu's work is, I have a couple more notes. Um, I love the back and forth between Eric Mabius and Lucy Liu when she comes to the office. And I love how she starts, like, prosecuting him. Yeah, and I'm... (laughs) What and else? also we had a pre-glee. Um, I do not know how to pronounce Jama Maze. Jama Maze. We had a pre-glee yeah. Jama Maze. Because she was she was about to do Glee in two years. Yeah, or one she, year. Well, Glee Glee officially came on for one episode in the spring of 2009. And then it technically its first season was in the fall of 2009. Yeah. So, but I knew who Jayma Mays was before this because her first breakout role was in one of my favorite movies, the 2005 thriller Red Eye. I have, I don't, I don't do thrillers. Do you remember Red Eye Verton? Yes, Wes Craven's film. Yes, she was, she was the, she was the co-worker to Rachel McAdams yeah. in the hotel when Rachel McAdams was traveling back. 
So I knew who Jayma Mays was because of 2005 Red Eye, and she was so good. It was her first movie, and I was like, oh my God, this girl is going to be huge. Yes, she's wonderful and amazing. I worked with her on Getting On. We are in different scenes, but we're in the same episodes. (laughs) 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 And I never technically saw her on set, but I saw her set, (laughs) like going to my set. Yeah, it, this I like I I I I seen Glee when in like around like season two. That's when I like season two halfway in. That's when I started getting into it. And they're like, oh, I know her from Ugly Betty. She's yeah. good, and she she plays like the the opposite. And they're like, okay, all right, go you. I'm proud of you. Keep getting work. Yeah, we have a lot of guests in this episode. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Oh yes. And was he married to Rebecca? Yeah. He was, yes. Like, he was I'm not sure if they were married or just engaged at engaged. the time, but they were definitely together. Yeah. Uh, that that whole scene, like that that's another, you know, what we talk about on the show. Like, you know, they're they're really they're ugly Betty is really good with putting themes and you know, like you were saying earlier, like themes and like concepts in the episode, like very forward thinking. And you know, this was like, you know after you come out, like, you know, sometimes, especially if you're transgender, like, I don't, I, I don't, I have a transgender friend from college. I, I, I haven't talked to her in a, in a while, but, you know, sometimes you, you do lose friends, and, like, people just don't treat you the same, especially, like, if you're coming out as gay, your family doesn't treat you the same, and, like, you know, some of your friends don't want to be your friends anymore, or they'll treat you differently, they might still care, but you'll treat you differently in a different way. Does that make sense? Yes, and that's a that's a big fear. That's like a big fear of um, coming out. It's LGBT, LGBT. It's at any point is that will people treat you the same? Because you're you feel like the same person, but then other people put their own insecurities on to you yeah Yeah. and like in your his in the history of what they know what a gay person or a member of the community is from what they've seen on tvs and movies and stereotypes and what they've been told from their family but you know you may still be in or the same it's just like you know oh i'm i'm just i'm just a little different it's just like oh i just like something else i'm just still the same person i still have the same skin I'm still the same face. You can still love me the same. I'm not different. It's just like, you know, who I sleep around with is different. Or, you know, think about sleeping around with, depending on who you are. (laughs) (laughs) And that's such a heartbreaking moment for Alexis in this episode. And you really feel for her. Mm -hmm. Because she's thinking, oh, I met a great guy. And then turns out that wasn't the case. Yeah. And then you had a great moment of... um, I mean, what I love about Wilhelmina is that she is such a complex character Mm -hmm. and she's very multi-layered. And I love the great moment of humanity that Wilhelmina has when she comes back and punches and kicks Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, even though she um, did it for... um, She did it for an ulterior motive. motive, But she she was still honest in, you know, being still wanting to, like, you know, be a person for her. And, like, you know, in the car ride when she was... When they were com- coming back from the bar, they like you know she looked at it like they that was that human connection before you know that small shit. Well, 
Well, Wilhelmina is ambitious and she wants certain things in her life, but she cannot stand a bigot. Yeah. <laughs> she will not stand for bigotry <laughs> at all. And I love watching those moments all throughout the series when you just see Wilhelmina out of her element and they always put her in situations where this is not her crowd, her scene. Because this was yeah. a regular bar and she wanted to go to the Metropolitan. <laughs> yeah. So I just love watching. She all in. I love the looks that Vanessa Williams will give as Wilhelmina when she's clearly not in her element. She came in all in white, which is <laughs> <Just> great. <laughs> so great. Vanessa Williams. Oh, great. But then unfortunately, you know, there was an ulterior motive, but then Alexis, um, Alexis finally says, look, I don't want to take over. I don't want to push Daniel out. He's changed. He's not like my father. And then so unfortunately, Wilhelmina's scheme, uh, it didn't work because Alexis still stands up for herself and doesn't fall into Wilhelmina's trap anymore. Yes, for now, that's, for now. A, that's a pause because we all know <laughs> how like people who see the show knows how, you know, not only the how the rest of the season plays out like the whole series, like, you know. How Wilhelmina's going to keep planning and yes. keep scheming. It's, it's Daniel and the whole me family. Oh my God. And then now you see how poor Christina has been roped into this. Yeah, it's like, you know, just since she did that thing at Fashion Week, you know, she Wilhelmina owns her. And fun note, that dress that she made for Sarah Jessica Parker, that was a, a part of a contest that they were doing for fashion designers around the U.S. in the winter got featured in this episode of Ugly Betty. So that dress was created by the winner of the contest. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't know that. So Now you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that whole scene, like, with them. <laughs> Betty's trying to be Scottish. Talking to oh, yeah, the answering partner. the phone for Christina, and she puts on this Scottish accent. She's like, hi, I'm Christina McKinney. <laughs> I'm Scottish, not Australian. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Ashley's great too. What was she? Was she in extras? Was that? Yeah, it? she was an extra. That's such a good show. Yeah. I used yeah. I used to watch that because I love I love British shows. I like <laughs> I love all those British shows. And then when I was watching, that's the reason why I, this is after I finished watching Ugly Betty. I was looking through what everyone else has done before, and then I did like extras. That looks good. And then obviously you see an extras. Extras is good. Yeah. I recommend yeah. Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. <laughs> yeah. that, that show is so good. Like, you know. What one of the things about this show and this episode is that there just are not weak links in this cast. And I give it up to Jenny Laurie Johnson and Libby Goldstein for like their excellent casting. Like everyone's so good. And like Anna Ortiz. Oh, oh Hilda Suarez is so great. And she's so great on Love Victor as well, too. Oh, I like, love that. <laughs> I that in one day. It was so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just I still everyone. haven't seen Love Victor. It's I'm... so good. It's on Hulu, right? Yes. I, still, I don't have Hulu. Well, so one of the producers from Ugly Betty is actually a producer on Love Victor. I saw that. And it was originally supposed to go to Disney Plus, but then Disney Plus felt like it was too adult in air quotes. So, um, and now what they're trying to do is, um, I hope this happens. Hillary Duff is pushing for the Lizzie McGuire reboot to go to Hulu now because now Disney Plus doesn't want to do it for the same reason. It's too air quotes adults. 
Because yeah. actually, because well, um, Lizzie is is like our age. Yeah, she's an adult now. Like you know, she'll do adult things. She can't be doing the same thing that she like, was doing when we were all in middle school. Mm-mm. But then also, The Mandalorian is on <laughs> like Disney Plus. I think that seems I, very adult to me. But <laughs> I think there's a there's exceptions for Star Wars. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's based okay. onto its <laughs> yeah. And, and Star Wars always had adult themes and all that stuff, and like pop, like they and. I think it, I think there's a, like a Star. Wars. There's a lot of violence in it. Yeah, <laughs> so they, 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 they it's Star Wars, so they can write it off. But <laughs> I love um I love how this show will always take any opportunity to throw in as many New York references as they possibly can. So I love that in the episode she's designing the dress specifically for Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, <laughs> just because she is a full blown New Yorker through and yeah. through. Yeah, you know, as an actress, so it's like, of course, you when you think about New York City and actors, of course, you're going to think about Sarah Jessica Parker and yeah. Barbara Streisand and Barbara Streisand. But, but you know, you just think about the, just Barbara because even on the Family Stone, when Sarah Jessica Parker was doing that with Diane Keaton, Diane Keaton had a story about, oh my God, Sarah's such a New Yorker because every morning we were in the trailer and she would just have her nose in the New York Times when we were in the trailer. So. <laughs> such a New Yorker. <laughs> well, I in the show in particular, I always looked because I knew that it filmed in LA for like the first three seasons. Mm-hmm. I would always like look for like opportunities when it didn't look like New York all the time. And the subway scene. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 feel, they feel like the Betty subway scene that was at the that was the red line. Yeah. And like the Hilda and the Justin and the Santos, that was like a New York I'm not sure they filmed that in New York or in New York set, but they filmed that was the red line. I did like, yes. and then I saw I, I looked it up. They filmed it at the Seventh Street the Metro stop. Yeah, that yeah. I did like wow, that looks. So, I did like I was looking. That looks so familiar. Is this supposed to like? Is that New York? Is that how it looks in New York? And they're like, no, no, that's that's the red line. Great, but um, there, but, in the, but in the fiction of the show great moment for Betty when she starts going crazy because she's seeing Amanda everywhere. Yeah. Uh, when, she's, when, she's, yeah. when she's in the subway area, she starts seeing Amanda everywhere around her. Yeah. Uh, Becky Newton is great. Not to say she like doesn't work a lot, but you know, she. I need her to get be a lead of a TV show. Which That's could happen I- soon because Drew did tell us that they when we had Drew Drogi as a guest and he's best friends with Michael Yuri that they did do a pilot together. So... They are still working together, so I do hope we have the reunion of Michael Yuri and Becky very soon. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they're so great together. Like they're magic. It's like a dynamic yeah. duo. Have Have you seen the um, the mode after hours things? No. Um, they they um they're they're they did mini shorts on on the DVD comp starting season two on. They it was like Becky and Michael. They were playing doing Mark. Mark and Amanda and they do these small little three or four minute skits and they're really funny. They're all on YouTube. I, I recommend you watch it. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch it's it like, now. It's like everybody else in the mode office has left except for the both of them. Yeah and they, they do like funny hijinks and there's like there's like a, like 20 shorts and they're hilarious. And of course Amanda has some great lines in this. Like one of my favorite particular ones is grow a set Bambi. 
<laughs> or I love in the beginning when she's trying to hide under the desk and she's like, and you know, rats Betty out and Betty looks at her and she's like, what? I'm bored. <laughs> Just casually throws Betty under the bus. What? I'm bored. <laughs> and of course, Betty, of course, Betty is going to befriend Henry's girlfriend, of course. That would happen to yeah, Of course. Yeah, I, li- I like how the, the show always sets up, like, you know, like an awkward situation for Betty. It's like, of course that's happened. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And that, like, the, the rollback at the beginning of the episode, I like the dream sequences at the beginning with Claire and, <laughs> and, um, and, um, Henry, um, Henry, is Henry like- <laughs> and Claire. And then she wakes up and she looks at her alarm clock and it's only 11 11. Uh, the, the show, show was like, and then finally the next day when she goes into the office i love the outburst that she has because she can't keep it inside anymore and she's like your mother killed faye summers yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my god judith light yes the judith light is so she great. is so fabulous in this show <laughs> yes. i love judith light, <laughs> love like, judith light. i have to skip to the end like i love that end scene when she was getting out of the car and daniel was waiting for her that scene and i love how they were playing um justin timberlake's um what goes around in the background. Yes. I like that song so much. It fits the mood right there. It's like, and it's, also, and it's also when you watch <laughs> it through a 2020 lens, you feel like you're in a time capsule because in 2007, yeah. that song was huge. It was yeah. everywhere. So <laughs> I love watching it through a 2020 lens because you're like, oh, 2007. Yeah. <laughs> what a great year that was. And they, and they play that song in the first episode of Gossip Girl like towards the middle which came on in the which launched in the fall of 2007 i mean oh. very convenient. yeah launched in the fall of 2007 so perfect time to use that song if we're gonna if we're on the tangent of 2006 2007 references when uh justin is still waiting for the new fergie cd oh yeah the duchess was huge. the duchess was that was her huge. first solo album that came out in the fall of 2006 and that was huge that was yeah. that was a good album. i mean it was one hit was after the other with london yeah. bridge and fergalicious and glamorous i mean the hits just kept coming from that album clumsy big girls don't cry i mean that was oh. a big album just one massive hit after the other for her she was unstoppable that's, at that, that point. That's like one of the best albums of that. Like you know, if like if we're talking about pop stars, yes. and albums, that's like of that time. That was like it's when like Gaga was slowly starting creeping up. Well, this was right before Gaga because Gaga was 08. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So true. Fergie was 06 to 07, and then Gaga really came in in 08 and took off. And um, I mean, if you want to be technical about it. <laughs> <laughs> she, was really good she was she was around she was doing club things and yeah, she smaller was doing venues city clubs, yeah right? yeah yeah she was definitely she, building she was at the wiltern in like 2008 because i saw that concert of gaga at the wiltern wow and i think that was 208 yeah. yeah that was right when just dance and everything was really <laughs> yeah fun. just dance oh everything my gosh was that's... Real... that was a song oh, to put her on gosh. the map <laughs> why are we aging ourselves <laughs> i love the and i love the, how he just i was i was 12 in 2008 just just i was 12. <laughs> 
And I love how Justin makes a Black Eyed Peas reference because he says, don't funk with my heart. Yeah. And that was a big Black Eyed Peas song. God, can we please stop? I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm having traumatic flashbacks from high school. Oh my God. Moving on to a different thing, because we were talking about Jama Mays and how, of course, Betty is going to befriend. I love how even before she meets her, she's already trying not to like her by saying, you know, she's making assumptions about Henry's girlfriend being a slut. Oh, oh yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's like, she's already, like, she's trying to preemptively not, but, not like her. But if you know the show, you know that's kind of true. Well, I feel like in this episode, what I love about it, what we're going to talk about Betty is you really see um, the humanity in Betty and you see how, look, Betty can make mistakes too. Like, you know, when she, when she left, when she left Charlie in that subway, you saw her make a really big mistake there because she let her jealousy really get the best of her. Betty is complicated and real. Yes. (laughs) Life is itself just straightforward. It's so complicated. And it's so uncomfortable when she has to, you know, confess to Henry her true feelings and say, hey, I broke up with Walter for you. And and then after she finally confesses everything to him, she just bolts off. Mm. Would Would you do what Betty did for a time? Um. If you were in that situation. If I were in that situation. Yeah, she has to let him know her feelings. I'm talking about the subway thing, not the, the feeling thing. thing. No, oh, no, no, no. oh, 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 would, oh, would I, would I let his ex-girlfriend get on like a subway and just leave her? Probably. You gotta do what you gotta do. To quote, quote Deborah Cox, and nobody's supposed to be here. Yeah. Make it do some crazy thing. Yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm a pure, innocent little child. <laughs> I'm a southern girl. I'm a debutante. I don't. I'm not like you guys. <laughs> I know how to handle myself properly. I deal with my problems head on. I don't, I'm not shady. I wouldn't leave someone. I would just, you know, you know. You find a southern way to bring them down, because the southern the southern have their own way of doing things. Well, I do declare you might be right. <laughs> Oh. oh god and then i love uh, i love the twists and turns it takes when it goes back to daniel and grace mm. because grace is watching over daniel and it turns out daniel is not calling any of the girls to make amends to them because the hot friend is over the phone no no i i thought he kept calling the hot no, friend no. over and over again because remember he answered and said who am i pretending to be now or you know Oh, I, I I didn't catch on to that. Maybe that's oh. what I at least caught. Did I don't know, Verton? Did you catch that when um when he was calling the really hot you know playboy friend he has no. in the beginning of the show? No, I thought he called her. He, um, he no, I think no, no. Oh wow! I Remember, to... he was yeah, he was in the office. He was making the calls to all the girls he wronged with Grace leering over him. But then you go to the other side. And you see that it was the hot, you know, friend who he was hanging out with in the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, who am I pretending to be now? And then that's when him and Grace start sleeping together and he can hear it over the phone. Oh, oh. I missed that. Yeah. I thought I... I thought he was, I thought personally he was just calling him over and over again with the same number on an office phone. And he was picking up pretending to be, because I think he answered and said, who am I pretending to be now? 
<laughs> oh, but that guy, he I remember he was in season four of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's, I remember that. I mean, I, I, he's very hot. I didn't know who he was until I started rewatching this. Well, <laughs> now you know. And you know, it's a, it's a call because they, they have him as like a callback to what Daniel used to be before he took this job. But I, like in my head, I thought he was actually doing it. But now I need to re-re-re-watch it. That was a very specific thing that I caught when I watched it was, oh my God, was he calling him the whole time? And then he was just pretending to be all the girls he was calling while Grace was leering over him. Oh. Okay. I I totally missed that. That was just something I feel like I caught. But like I said, I could be wrong. That's how I interpret it when I, because I was watching it and taking the notes and I really noticed that. I lasered in on that. Like, oh my God, Daniel's just calling his friend over and over again. <laughs> you, you get the cookie and the prize today. I'm proud of you. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then this is once again, the beginning of Hilda's turning point, Hilda Suarez, because she's now going to go to a cosmetology school and she's using Ignacio as the as the test subject. Yeah, that that was, and that's going to start her whole cosmetology art from now to. The but end she's of the- so nervous to cut Ignacio's hair; she needs to keep drinking. No, she no, she was drinking because um, she, she was telling him that she's going to trick him Santos into a. Going to oh hairspray. yeah, going to hairspray. No, that's why she needed a drink, not because she was cutting hair. I thought she, she was nervous about cutting hair. So. No, she was ner- nervous about getting a yeah Santos, Santos to see hairspray. hairspray, which is a like it's a it's very gay Broadway. musical, it's but it's no, yeah, it's a it's a gay musical and not a gay musical. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it brings up a lot of key things from the '60s, like civil yeah. rights. Yeah, and, yeah but but it it does, you know, does start. it in a very fabulous way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mama, welcome to the '60s. And there's your drag, and there's like yeah. you know magic, and like you know. I was very lucky. I saw it in 2004 during one of Harvey Firestein's final runs with that show. I saw oh. it in 2004. Um, Marissa Jared Winoker had already left by that point, but I got to see Harvey. Harvey Firestein do it. I saw the end, like when they returned and Marissa came back. I think it was the next to last one, or it could have been the last one, the last time they performed together. I saw the movie. Oh, I love the movie. <laughs> a, lot of people, a lot of people have gripes with the movie because a lot of people, my voice teacher at the time back in Pennsylvania was like, well, they cut out my two favorite songs, Cooties and Mom, I'm a Big Girl now. But I tried to explain, I mean, it's different when you're making a movie versus a, you know, a Broadway musical because they had to cut those songs because what I really liked about Hairspray, the movie was, it was nonstop entertaining. It just had a great pace from beginning, middle, and end, and there were no lull spots where it's like, okay, can we pick it up a little? It was just nonstop entertaining. It was very well cast, and the the movie was very well cast. Like every like, I I realize now that with Alice and Janney in the in that movie. Oh yes, Penny's mom. Yeah, Penny mom. And stole the show with her line that she improvised with devil child, devil child. <laughs> Allison Janney improvised that line because she said in an interview, she was like, come on, I'm competing with John Travolta and drag. I have to say, <laughs> yeah. I have to say something funny. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh, that movie. And I love, um, I love how, yes, initially Justin is heartbroken that he can't share hairspray with his father, but then 
fearlessly reenacts it on the I love how he fearlessly reenacts it on a subway in New York City and if if anyone's ever caught me on the on the red line I I do kind of the exact same thing listen to music I have no shame I listen to music and I sing and I perform it and use my you know logging skills to the max did did you all notice that when he was singing Good Morning Baltimore. Um, Anna Hilda, playing Hilda, stops him at the point before he gets to the point dealing with the um, the flasher. And she has a flasher line. I'm like, oh, that's what's in the song. But she says a flasher line. Oh. <laughs> She's like, stay away from that guy with in the trench coat. <laughs> um. But then to go back, I mean, Betty does finally realize after after she does, you know, leave Charlie in the subway, she the, the look on her face was when her conscience finally kicked in and went, okay, I made a mistake. She does have this great look on her face after Charlie's gone and she realizes, okay, I did make a mistake. Her conscience did finally kick in. And then her 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 conscience in loving him, Henry kicked in again. They like, you know, and they were, I, I, I hate that. I love and hate that moment when they were about to kiss and then um, uh, J- Jama, Charlie showed up. He's like, Henry, and you're like, go fuck, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jama Mace, but you know, fuck off. You want, you want, you want Henry and Betty to be together. You've been waiting for it all season. But you know, we all have, we're going to have to wait another season for that. Walter was such a sweet guy, but you just wanted, you wanted, you wanted her to be with Henry. Uh, And, oh my gosh, this is. And what I like about, I mean, one of the things that we do constantly talk about with this show, whenever we have guests on is we talk about obviously the humanity of this show and how everybody is so multi-layered in this show. There's not a single one dimensional character in this ensemble. Everybody is very multi-layered and multifaceted characters. And I feel like in this episode, you finally see a little humanity in Mark start to come out because at the end when Christina realizes she's in too deep now with Wilhelmina, and then after she tries to stand up to Wilhelmina and Wilhelmina that quickly like that, you know, immediately pulls the Sarah Jessica Parker opportunity from her with the dress. Mm. for the Oscars and then Mark finally lets his guard down with Christina and goes it gets better it gets easier because Mark you finally realize okay Mark also has aspirations and goals of his own and he doesn't want to be Wilhelmina's henchman forever but you know he realizes if he's going to get ahead he has to so he just he just lets his guard down and he goes it gets easier. Yeah. <laughs> and he touches on that subject that you mentioned more in season three, episode 20 in the stars featuring an, a, a, a rising superstar known as Adele. Oh. So <laughs> Not that I know the show by episode number or anything. So it is, but... great, it is great that, you know, they have, they, have, they have every single character and nobody is one dimensional. Everybody yeah. has layers that yeah. you really peel and, you know, explore as the show continues yeah or like and, a- I, <laughs> and I think that was a testament to Sylvia Horta mm-hmm. like, oh. and his vision for the show and what it could be such great writing mm-hmm. yes and I 
like you said, I wish it continued, but it did end well. I feel like it ended on a good note. And they, some of the, some, I think some, if not all the cast, they want a movie, but I wonder what would the movie be if they did an Ugly Betty movie? How it will work in a 20 whenever America and what will be the plot line? Will something happen at mode that Betty has to come back to? It's probably Daniel goes to jail. Well, we'll probably talk about the struggles of magazines staying afloat. If they were going to do Ugly Betty tomorrow as a feature film, magazines are really struggling now. Yeah. This was this was the they were beginning to address this on this show, but I mean, with social media now and everything's online, magazines. Uh, Vogue is the only one that's like keeping afloat. Here's here's a fan plot. All right. Okay, go with me here. Mode is shutting down, and Wilhelmina makes the call to the only person who knows how to save a ma- save the magazine because she saved it multiple times. She calls like Betty doesn't show up until like a, like two fourths away, and say she did like, and she's running around crazy, and just like Mark comes in because you know Mark works at Mode still. Say, you know who we need, and Mark's like. And she called me said, get Betty Suarez. Cut to London where she's living live. And then she gets a call to like, Betty, we need you. And then like Betty tries to save the magazine and like, you know, goes through the woes. And then it's like her returning to with her old life and, you know, her old family and was catching up and like her trying to save mode and like, you know, learning new lessons. Very, um, very train spotting too, in a way, but lighter. And I think going back to what you were saying earlier, I think one of the reasons why it was able to end so well as it did after its fourth season was, I think the writers and the producers, I think everybody kind of saw the writing on the wall because it was on Wednesday nights during its first three seasons. It was on Wednesday night for ABC's primetime schedule, but then I hate it when networks do this. For its fourth season, they moved it to Friday nights, aka the Friday night death slot. Mm -hmm. So when shows start to get more expensive to produce, networks will deliberately move it to a Friday night where nowhere near as many people are at home watching television. Everybody's going out. So they, they moved it to Friday nights and then they realized they messed up. And then by the time they did move it back, to Wednesday later on in the season, the damage was done, the numbers were gone. So I think I think the writers and the producers had a feeling like, look, this will likely be our last season because already the network tried to change the times on us and our viewers didn't follow. So let's, let's do everything we can to at least end this on a high note. Yeah, and now there's no such thing, living in a quarantine, there's no such thing as a Friday night death slot. No. Because you know, everyone's at home now. So. Pretty much everybody's watching everything and then most things are going to streaming and and now and now networks because pilot season got gutted this year by the pandemic now networks are scrambling for content so they've had to go to cable shows and streaming shows and bring them onto their network shows like now cbs is showing um one day at a time
Time, which was originally a Netflix show before it got sent to, um, I think it was Pop, Pop that, yeah. that picked it up. So yeah, but now CBS is showing it. So, and they brought in shows from overseas and shows that, oh, Filthy Rich was supposed to be a mid-season replacement for 2020, but then they they pushed that to the fall. So I mean- Didn't it get canceled? I don't know about I think Filthy I, I Rich. Think it, I think I heard it got canceled. I'm not sure. Because you that's with um Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall, oh queen. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm sad she doesn't want to do a sex in the city three, but I mean I I get it. If you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. And there's no amount of money. She was like, look, no amount of money is gonna make me want to do it. I just don't want to do it. It I feel like that show had its time period, and I'm fine with the time that it has. Yeah, and it got two movies. It had it's was- <laughs> And it, and it was like one of the most popular shows ever. <laughs> yeah. And if we didn't have Sex in the City, we would never have some of the shows that came on after Sex in the City. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And they even in the second, third, I don't know, remember, they mentioned Sex in the City. And then he was and like, I, I missed that show too. Yes. And <laughs> uh, Sex in the City. Kim, uh, Kim Cattrall, like one of the first, the first thing I saw her in. It's like this is when I was in college, and this is before I actually saw Sex in the City. It was she did Mannequin. If you ever seen that, yes. It's yeah. like I like I was sitting and having a movie night with friends. It's like, what is this show? I mean, what is this movie? This movie's so good, and you know the flamboyant boy black characters. Like people say, like you should do that if they ever make it a musical. They're like, mm-hmm, sure. And another whatever. Kim Cattrall role that people don't talk about, but I thought she was fabulous in was the cameo she had when she was Britney Spears' mother in Crossroads. Oh, yeah. She I, played Britney Spears' mother in Crossroads. I haven't seen Crossroads. Written by Shonda Rhimes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and before she got Grey's Anatomy, she wrote Crossroads. Oh, and then she wrote Princess Diaries, yeah, too. Yeah, she wrote Princess Diaries, too. Like, Oh, Which then, is funny. Be, I think it's a funny coincidence that she wrote Princess Diaries too, because the first Princess Diary was Sandra O's breakout moment when she stole the show as Gopta, the principal of the yeah. school. Where, oh my God, yeah. her scene. I talk about this all the time. Her scene when she answers the phone, Gopta, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the queen, queen is coming. coming. <laughs> she just steals the. My mother was watching the movie with me, and my mother was like, "I really like this Sandra O. She's really funny." <laughs> She stole the show in it. She held her own. Julie, we're gonna continue down that path. I saw Sandra Sandra O. The first thing in Double Happiness. Oh, it takes place in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm from Vallejo, which is in the San Francisco Bay Area, and this movie just felt like home to me. And I had never seen a portrayal like her, someone that looked like her in a movie. It's an excellent movie, so if you get a chance. What is it called? Double Happiness. Double I wonder if she was a Bay Area-based actress because the first Princess Diaries took place in San Francisco. So I, I wonder. I she wonder had... if she was a Bay Area actress <laughs> before she moved to LA. I wonder if she was based she, in the she, Bay. She was doing, I know she was doing stuff in Canada before she came to the US and then she got a lot of stuff. And then I think before, um, I'm not sure if she was doing... Grey's Anatomy before this, but I know like one of her breakout movie roles was Sideways with um Paul Giamatti. That was right before Grey's Anatomy. Oh yeah, Sideways was I think yeah. it was 2004, right? Yeah, that was a breakout. Was thing it for four her. or five? I'm trying to remember now. Early, she was married to Alexander Payne at the time. Oh, yeah, that was I feel that was one of her breakouts before she got um 
Grey's Anatomy, you know. She she slayed Grey's Anatomy. I love Grey's Anatomy. Well, I just started watching it during quarantine. Like, this show is good. Why didn't I watch it? Why did I say, ugh, Grey's Anatomy? I would never watch this in a million years. <laughs> That's what I said. I can, I, can, I, can go, I can go on and on about all these. Med- I've been watching medical dramas, which over time from like, what is it? St. Elsewhere to ER to Grey's Anatomy. And you kind of see the evolution of how medical dramas are presented. Have, you, have oh. you seen Nurse Jackie? Yes. I love Nurse Jackie. That's like a really good Edie Fago, <laughs> Merritt Weaver. Oh, that show. Um, um, Anna Deverne Smith. And my friend, my friend was has been binging um, ER in quarantine too, and he loves binging because he's like, God. So many big name actors got their start as like guest stars or co-stars yeah. on this show. So many big people came from ER and some of them were just guest stars at that point. <laughs> yeah. There's Chris, like Chris Pine is like in a small part. In yes. like, I think he says like one line. Gary Marshall, <laughs> Gary Marshall came and spoke to my acting class at the time that I was in and fun fact, how Chris Pine got the part in Princess Diaries too when Gary Marshall had signed on to do Princess Diaries 2, he said, I was not happy with the kiss at the end of the first movie. So I really wanted to make sure that we got the kiss right for this one. So Anne Hathaway had to kiss eight guys in the audition and whoever gave the best kiss, that's who got the part. And that's how Chris <laughs> got his role in Princess Diaries 2 because he was the one who gave the best kiss to Anne Hathaway. Mm. <laughs> How so. Hollywood has changed, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, and this, you could say the same thing with Grey's Anatomy. There was a lot of people who are just starting out, like um, what's her name, um, um, Sarah Paxson, Sarah, not Sarah Paxson, Sarah Paulson. She was had she had a, like an arc in um, she has an arc before in um Grey's Anatomy before she got American Horror Story and. Well, oh, Sarah Paulson was around for a long time. Yeah, like, you know. Because she, she also did a movie with Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor called Down With Love, where she played Renee Zellweger's friend. And then I remember her because I was a big fan of Friends, of course. And uh, they had the post-Friends time slot curse where they could never find an 8.30 show that wouldn't drop off after Friends. And in 2002, there was a short-lived sitcom called Leap of Faith, where she was playing a character named Faith. And it was basically a watered down sex in the city. Uh-huh. It was basically like Sarah Paulson and a bunch of girlfriends in New York City. It was basically sex in the city without the sex being shown. Mm-hmm. So it was basically a watered down sex in the city for NBC. And Regina King was in it, I believe. I think she played one of Sarah Paulson's friends. <laughs> I don't even sure remember that show like at all. It came on in 2002 and it only made it one season. So it did not <laughs> last, but yes. I- I wonder if it's on Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> it only lasted, I think, like 10 episodes, but I remember it because they kept, until Scrubs came on in the fall of 2002 during the Friends 830, that was the show that finally broke the post-Friends time slot curse. Yeah. What other shows have you been watching during quarantine? Um, I, I, I just finished, I just finished ER, and so that was a big, and, um, that was one of my first big kind of shows that I, I was on. So it was interesting watching it from the beginning because I was on it 10 years, I was in season 12. 
so 12 years after it started (laughs) and I was like oh that's where my character fits in and all of this this whole kind of like world and it's interesting watching that Um, ER was with Noah Wiley right yes Noah Wiley George Clooney and George Clooney was Noah Wiley on when you were on or did he leave already technically yes he was not in the episode he was like in Africa in the episode that I the the period time period that I was on um there was somewhat there was something interesting about the show that I never noticed Parminder Nagra was listed as number one in the credits in the final season and I'm like so she is the lead the lead of this network show so she must be the first East Indian female lead of a major network TV series. Wow. Once Noah Wiley left, she was number one in the credits. Wow. How how long did George Clooney stay on ER? Oh, he I wasn't think he left in 99 because I know his yeah. film career, I know his film career was starting to take off by that yeah. point. So I like I think he left in 98 or 99 because he's like the fourth or fifth season yeah because his film career once his film career really started going he he left the show but he did come back for the series finale i yeah. believe i i haven't seen um er at all in my life i'm in the middle of a upn kick myself um <laughs> i finished moesha and then um i'm almost done with half and half i'm on the fourth and final season and i'm also doing girlfriends and one-on-one and the parkers i'm kind of on like a whole upn kick lately i love half half and half valerie pettiford is so great oh, oh my god and it's criminal i've been telling this to the <laughs> it's criminal how underrated rachel true is isn't oh, it rachel too is great and i was just watching her in this in the thing and i was like oh my god she paved the way for Issa ray and insecure because she was doing the awkward black girl <laughs> character on this show i have i haven't seen half and half before i'll have to check it out it's hard uh, yes and it's only four seasons so it's really easy to binge and Essence Atkins plays um, Rachel True's sister, who's obviously the more she, they do the dynamic of there's one sister who's more favored, who's prettier, and that's the Essence Atkins role in the show. But Essence Atkins' character still has a heart and wants to get her know her, know her sister. Because yeah. how the dynamic basically is, is Valerie Pettiford is Essence Atkins' mom and Telma Hopkins is Rachel True's mother. So you see the dynamic of, and Oba Babatunde plays the father to both girls and he's on in a recurring capacity. So you just see the interesting family dynamic mm. with two half sisters, mm. so half and half. Yeah, and I've been watching, I, I finished Girlfriends. I'm on um, season two, I, I love Girlfriends. I, I'm almost done with the West Wing. Oh. I'm, 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 I'm being very, I'm pacing myself because of what's happening in the world right, right. now. I'm not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not you know ready to finish like a good political thing when a bad political thing is happening and actually yeah. oh, it's so hard it's so hard i was checking facebook before you before we all started today and i see that you've actually been doing phone banks oh yes i've been phone banking what's that Phone banking is when you basically call voters in specific areas and states. He's been calling Pennsylvania voters. Oh, and me- you 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 get a poll of who they're voting for. Hmm. A little nervous after what he said on the status <laughs> when you were writing down because you saw more votes for Trump than you did oh, for please, Biden. Oh, please! Why are we? 
Why are we fulfilling the world with negative? <laughs> but I, I overall though. But let's hear what he has to say. I will say overall the message is that if you talk to people one on one and have conversations with them, people are more receptive to that. So I think that people just have to communicate with each other. Go down your contact list and actually just talk to the people that you know. Like just talk to them on the human level and like get where they are and get them to where you are as well. I think that really helps because sometimes the conversations do go on a little bit longer and people are willing to listen even to like strangers. It's so random. I didn't think that would happen, but there is a room for people to change and grow. Like you just have to, to communicate with people in an effective way. And I think like social media kind of limits the way people are able to communicate. So when you call someone, they get to really hear and understand your view of everything. Yeah, because I, I have this coworker, he said he's not voting at all. And just it just irritated me to no end. And I, I started screaming at him to like, what the, what the heck? I, that, that I'm not using math, but you know, I, I almost like, I read it for Phil so hard. They're like, why are you not voting? Are you? Yeah. Just, just talk to him and remind them that there are smaller races and things that. Like, I did. He said he did not happen. care. And I did like, wait, wait, but. But then you have to unpack why they don't care. What is that, that thing? What hurt them in this world that makes them get to that place? And once you start to work back to where that is then you can kind of figure out how to get them to where you need them to be, which is so you So you respect me with my, my Tuesday to get him to a place where he's not, he's going to register and vote. That, that's the work that has so, to be done. So you're giving me, <laughs> you know what? You got like 72 hours, you got it. 72 hours to convince someone to vote who doesn't care, who never voted in life. Thank you so much. Like I didn't have pressure already. Like there's no pressures in life right now at all. But I gotta say, Berton, I admire you for doing the work. I mean, it takes a lot of guts to do that. I canvassed once in Orange County for a Democratic candidate. And it's like going into the line of fire when you go down to Orange <laughs> County because you're dealing with a lot of Republican constituency. Yeah. People are already going to dismiss you as a liberal and, you know, we're going to become a socialist, uh, communist country if this happens. And it's just, you know, you're already going into the line of fire. And it's really when you're emotional about politics like I am personally, because I, I take it very personally, unfortunately, it's emotionally exhausting. So I commend people who have been phone banking and canvassing. And because, I mean, this is our last podcast episode that we're recording before the election. So, um, of course, it's going to be on my mind. And I love that Stephen's, you know, taking a deep breath in and just hoping for the best. I'm hoping for the best, too. I mean, look. I'm not predicting anything because we all predicted last time and look where it got us. So I'm not. Well, I predicted correctly because I saw the mighty on the Oh board. yeah, and that's, I blame, <laughs> I blame you for our current situation. I don't blame anyone else. I can officially blame you because you predicted it. I don't know how you oh, voted. A lot, my, a lot of my friends had unfortunately predicted it too. So I mean. Well, maybe I need to It's because you just have to like, I don't. I don't live in an echo chamber of my, uh, and it's probably because I do a lot of phone banking and 
I do it, I've done it a lot over the years in various campaigns. Um, and so I always know the temperature of where people are. Mm. And maybe we'll, we could talk about the temperature after this is over. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's just, <laughs> but then, but, the, like, but then there, there are a lot of people that don't pick up their phones too. Yeah, and so, and right. there are a lot more than there were previously in previous years. And the voter turnout is huge. And yes. so you just, that's, those people aren't on these lists. All those, yeah. all these new voters aren't on list. Like I personally myself wouldn't pick up a phone, but I already voted and I voted for Biden. So, I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll see, we'll see how this, how this all plays yeah. out. And, and like, I don't know where any, anyone else is, where everyone else is listening here in LA. I, last night there was a protest for Trump in Beverly Hills. I did like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, and they're starting to board up everything and putting stuff over the art, the art in Beverly Hills. It's like, oh my gosh, California is going to be a shit show. Oh my gosh, I, I'm I'm not mentally ready for what's going to happen. I feel like it's I feel I feel like it's over an overreaction to whatever what happens. We all know there's going to be a horrible has. reaction. Whoever wins is is yeah. not going to be cute either way. And me being black. I don't sound black when I talk, but me being black, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like we need to be safe and vigilant and be smart and like don't provoke people, especially in these next few weeks. Not saying like if, if the person we want to win with, let's, let's not be snooting like, <laughs> suck it. Yeah. But like, let's be smart. We're yes. all human. Yes. And at the end of the day, Whoever wins, you know, we will all get through this. And if if Donald Trump gets another four years, we're we gonna will, we, we'll, will, we'll, we will all hold each other's hands and find a way to get through it. Gloria Gaynor said it best, I will survive. Yeah. So <laughs> and I love that, you know, we started this podcast during the pandemic and during these times because we're obviously talking about humanity and life in general. And this show ugly betty just displays a lot of beautiful humanity for all of its good and bad it does display humanity on a on a on a great scale yeah it's you know it's it's a good thing not i'm not you know not using art shouldn't be a distraction but you know art should be like you know sometimes art for me not let me get on my soapbox a little bit <laughs> art could be a good way to distract and know from the world and like art should be like you know a thing for change and that's like why like it's funny like you know comparing like the two things i'm mostly watching the west wing say like ooh, politics we need to go fight and like do our best to make the world a better place and then ugly betty like you know something that's relaxing and shows you like the goodness in the world like you know something that's fun to watch like if i was watching like i also girlfriend something fun and like you know we both need both of them but you yes. know absolutely but you know what the most important thing if you're listening it today on the first of november vote Votes. whoever you vote for just, just vote. vote i don't care if you yeah. vote for donald j trump or um what's it biden? joe biden joe biden i forgot his first name <laughs> <laughs> joseph joseph i'll say the full name joseph r biden he's just he's just biden to me <laughs> he's always <been> biden <laughs> But 
whoever you vote for, just vote. Not, that's my political stance. I don't care who you vote for. But, you know, vote, vote when... This, As the, the view tells us every day, vote your view. Or, like, you know, vote for the outcome for America you want to see in the future. Vote for the hope of America. I mean, that's... I'm not leaning towards anyone specific, but you know. I will. <laughs> I, I will definitely say Biden Harris. <laughs> but you know, I definitely say that. But like ugly, as you were saying, ugly Betty has like these magical qualities that we need in a time like this. And I just want to say, my I have to say, my favorite line from the show is Wilhelmina Slater. Come on, girl, I'm black and you are Mexican. Let's yes! not have a couple of dull white people. Yes, yes. Season two, episode two, I believe. Um, it, it was um. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's like she was on that roof. Ugh. <laughs> Love that line. Uh, that, that's that's America right now. That's the line that needs that um Vanessa Williams needs to post. Like, <laughs> like. She should put a picture of her saying, voting it like a. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. It's so good. It's I'm like... going to create that as tag with another Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Make that meme and send it to Vanessa. <laughs> I, I'm going <laughs> to. Oh my gosh, that's that, that's that's the season two. Season two is a really good season. I'm just can't yeah. wait for season two. That's 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 a, even though the writer strike cut that season short, that was an amazing second season. Oh, the writers. Yep, <sighs> 2007 to 2008. I still remember the writers strike and how yeah that that cut everybody's seasons short or canceled it. Yeah, like if I if I over a lot, but you know, oh my gosh. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like COVID cutting stuff short that all of a sudden shows that were going to have a season didn't get a season Mm-mm. yeah what was the one that Netflix rescinded oh yeah it was Glow, Glow. Oh. Netflix, Netflix had initially renewed Glow for a final season but then after the pandemic they rescinded it yeah well they, I think they're shopping trying to find a new network for oh, it okay. but you know I, I really hope once this is all over once there's a cure, a safe cure, not a Donald Trump cure, yeah. a safe cure. Everything will, you know, return not the way, not to the way it was with a new smart way looking to the future, how to safely do all jobs, not entertainment, just entertainment jobs, all jobs. Well, that's why Joe Biden, I actually like his campaign um, message of build back better. Yes. So we can't just build back to the way it was. We got to build back better. But you don't want America to be great again. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think I think that's a good way to stop. Well, yeah. Is there anything uh, you have coming up for Tom that you want to plug or promote or? Not anything that I can speak about. Um, I'm in a podcast, another podcast right now, and. Yeah, and I just want to say, think of, I'm trying to think of which thing I can actually say, which is nothing. <laughs> or you're just so watch, busy you don't want to just, just watch everything that's on TV now. Watch Getting On. It's so good. It's on HBO. It's excellent. One of my favorite shows. The British version is available on HBO Max. So you Wait, can watch the British version, and then you can watch the American version. Who's in the British version? 
That is Vicki Pepperdine and um, they Vicki created the show and oh my gosh. I can't believe I'm forgetting my other boss's name. Dude, it's <laughs> Ooh, I can't believe it. Who's in the American version? Oh, uh, Niecy Nash, Alex Borstein, and Lauren Metcalf. I love all of them. Oh, I love all of them. <laughs> They're phenomenal. Most of my scenes were with Lori and um, Alex. And last and year, I'm so phenomenal. glad I did this. Last year, I flew all the way to New York to do my one-man show. And while I was there, I went to go see some shows. And I did get to see the great Lori Metcalf and Hillary and Clinton. And she was fabulous. Not and. I, and I always say not that Alice and Jenny did not deserve her Oscar. I, I wish Al, Al Lori Metcalf won the Oscar as well because she was so good in Lady Bird. I, I did like, you know, I, that's who I, in my my Oscar poll that I did like, Lori, Lori, pull the upset, pull the upset. But, you know, go Allison, I want you to win. But, you know, we had, we had Mindy Sterling on the show last week. And one of the things I said, because I had two of my character actor friends back me up on this on Facebook because... It was like Sophie's choice as a voter trying to decide between Allison Janney and Lori Metcalf. So I did a whole status about how I was in agony over it. And two people who came to my defense and wrote in the comments section were Mindy Sterling and Rose Abdu. So two of my character actor friends put on my comment section, oh, I agree and I know how you feel. <laughs> They're like two of our queens in the character actor world. Yeah. So, I mean, if that was like Sophie's choice, I really wish there was like a Barbara Streisand, Catherine Hepburn tie. What? Did you just steal my line from the yeah, last episode? That's what, and that's exactly what Steven said in the last episode. <laughs> you can't just steal my stuff. <laughs> I copyrighted that. You see, you see this? Did you nail the episode to yourself? <laughs> oh yeah, it's on my computer. I'm, I, I, I want my time. Email the episode to yourself, copywritten. I've emailed it to myself. Oh yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna get my like forty dollars from you. <laughs> Fucking see Bertan, Bertan, from the bottom of my heart, I do have to say thank you so much for stepping into our world and our orbit with this show. We just we love bringing on actors to just talk about the acting and then anything else that comes to our mind as actors and content and life and so thank you so much for taking the time to just step into our little world. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I am so great to talk about like Ugly Betty because it's a show that I think is just phenomenal and needs to revisit. Everyone needs to revisit it. Yes. Yeah. Everyone needs to revisit the show. <laughs> but without further ado, my name is Steven. My name is George. Bye. Bye.